Hello and welcome to this week's episode of This is the Future. My name is Dayo Moyo. I trust you had a super splendid and productive week. The year was 1995. My immediate younger sister must have been one year and seven months old. On that day, an environmental activist, Ken Sarowiwa, was executed by hanging at the order of the then head of state of Nigeria, Sonia Basha. I have an episode profiling the life and execution of Ken Sarowiwa, and I will drop the link in the description in case you would love to listen to it. It's an interesting episode. Many miles away, another political activist in Aiden watched helplessly. His name is Wale Shuinka. 86 years ago, Wale Shuinka was born into a modest family in Abelkuta, Ogun State, Nigeria. His father was the headmaster of a school, whilst his mother was a trader. On his mother's side, Shuinka is cousin to the famous Ransom Kuti's family, with the most prominent member being Fela Kuti, or late Fela Kuti. In 1952, Wale Shuinka gained admission to University College, Ibadan where he studied English literature. Whilst at the university, Shoinka and six others, Ralph Okpara, Pius, Ipe Are, Nathaniel Yelola, Olumu Iwawe, and Silvanus, founded the Pirates Confraternity. It was the first confraternity in Nigeria. The mission statement of the organization was to uphold human dignity and maintaining a just and progressive society shown of discriminator and in unmeritorious considerations. In short, the organization was established to combat the ills of tribalism, influence of colonialism and elitism in the school of learning. Shoinka completed his Bachelor's of Arts degree at the University of Leeds in England. In 1959, Wole Shoinka published a comedy titled The Lion and the Jewel. It was a second major play, and more than half a century later, when I laid my hands on the book, I still found the story amusing. The writer went on to publish The Trials of Brother Jero, My Father's Burden, Death and the King Osman, Towards the True Theater, Culture in Transition, The Interpreters, etc. Shoinka used some of his work to deal with the political situation in the young country of Nigeria. In 1960, Chief Obafemi Awolowo decided to pursue federal politics, leaving Samuel Ladoke Akintola to become the Premier of Western Region. 1965 was election year, and Akintola was confident that he would coast to victory. So confident was he that he had sent the tape of his victory broadcast to the Nigerian Broadcasting Corporation. Now, for a minute, just imagine a very confident politician seated on the oversized sofa in his living room as he grins from year to year. Definitely, most definitely, there were friends, political protégés, and admirers all waiting for 7.14 p.m., the scheduled time that the victory speech was expected to be broadcasted. The clock chimed 7.14. But instead of the victory speech, what boomed out of the radio was Akintola go, drop your stolen mandate, leave town and take your reprobates with you. Pandemonium. Now, let me tell you the backstory. Unknown to Akintola and friends, a few minutes before the broadcast, 
A drama had occurred in the premises of the Nigerian Broadcasting Corporation. In court, what ensued was narrated by eyewitnesses, most prominently Akinwade Oshin, the continuity announcer who had the responsibility of slotting in the tapes that contained the victory speech. According to eyewitnesses, an intruder had found his way into the studio of the NBC. The man was tall, a little over six feet, light complexion. His hair was luxuriant, his sideburns and mustache shaved, but he had a beard that shot out aggressively from his chin. He wore a pair of blue jeans and a smock of traditional Igbira clothes. He produced a Beretta pistol and added to the technician's head, Give me those tapes. Give me those tapes or else. His voice was neutral, educated but not foreign, clear but not menacing. Faced with a life or death situation, Akinwan Day Oshin, the continuity announcer, handed over the speech tape to the intruder and slotted in a new tape that was provided by him. With this, the intruder vanished as quickly as he appeared. Now, the twist in this story is that the intruder was allegedly 31 years old, Wale Shoinka. He was declared wanted by the police, arrested, and charged to court. In court, Shoinka declared that there was no way he could have been the intruder as he was in Enugu at the hour of the said operation. To complicate issues, Professor Axworthy, Shoinka's HOD, and a witness of the Western Region government had said he and Choinka had attended a meeting together two hours before the said invasion. And according to him, Choinka was clean shaven. And this was in contrary to the eyewitnesses' report, who had confirmed that the intruder was in fact a bearded man. In the end, the judge, Justice Eshaw, gave his verdict. All the eyewitnesses, including Oshin, were positive that the man who ate them up was not masked. The gunman they all said was bearded. Professor Axworthy told the court, and it was the DPP who led him to give the evidence that Wale Shoinka, who he saw two hours earlier, was clean shaven. While I can understand a bearded man at 5 p.m. in the evening becoming cleanly shaven at 7 p.m., I cannot unravel the mystery of a clean shaven man at 5 p.m. becoming bearded at 7 p.m. I am bound to give the accused person the benefit of the doubt. I therefore found him not guilty and is accordingly acquitted and discharged. That was how Wale Shoinka was acquitted. And I could not find any public record that confirmed the identity of the mystery gunman. The closest I found was an interview of the professor by the news some 55 years after the incident. Shoinka kept dodging the pointed questions asked by the journalists. At last, when the journalist asked, how did you get into the studio? He blotted out, look, I was acquitted and you are talking as if I was the culprit. I was acquitted. I stood trial and I was acquitted. Why do you keep saying you, you, you? What's your problem? At the end of the interview, the journalist asked the most subtle question. So it was for those people you intervened. At which Shoinka replied, yes, of course. I was one of them. My voice was being stolen. I could not sit down and I said that somebody should steal my voice. I felt at one with the majority of the people. In 1967, 
Waleshenka was not as lucky. He was imprisoned by the military government for 22 months for secretly meeting Odumegu Ojuku, a military governor and later to be the leader of the Biafra army. He was released along with other political prisoners in 1969. In the years to come, Shoenka kept his publishing spree, culminating in an autobiographical work, Ake, The Years of Childhood, in 1981. The book won the Anisfield Wolf Book Award in 1983. Within this period of time, Waleshenka did not stop political activism, taking a strong stance against the military government of the Army of Uganda, an apartheid that was taking place in South Africa. I have previous episodes where I documented both of these um, incidents. I would provide a link to them in the description. They are really beautiful episodes. You see, more than criticizing foreign governments, or better still, other African governments, Waleshe Inka also criticized the democratically elected government of Sheo Shagari in his own country, Nigeria. In 1983, the military government of Mohamed Buhari took power and constantly boots arms with the writer. In 1984, his book, The Man Died, Prison Notes of Waleshe Inka, which he published in 1972, and which contained the account of his arrest and 22 months imprisonment was banned. 1986, Wale Shoenka became the first African to be awarded a Nobel Prize for Literature. He used his acceptance speech to make a case for the fight against apartheid. Remember, I started this episode with the execution of Ken Sarowiwa, and this could have been Wale Shoenka's fate as well, had he not gone on exile in 1994. Shoenka started his journey to exile from his home in Abelkuta in a car pretending as someone on a hunting trip. He went along the smugglers route to Isen, where he crossed national borders into the country of Benin Republic. From there, he found his way to the United States of America. In exile, Wale Shoenka couldn't stay silent. He founded Radio Kudirat, which had the tagline, Voice of Democracy, and used it as a medium to criticize the military government. In 1997, he was charged with treason, but the government of Sonia Abasha, the same government that executed Ken Sarowiwa, luckily for Shoenka, he was not within arm's length. The 86-year-old Shoenka currently enjoys serenity in the house he built inside the forest somewhere in Abelkuta, Ogun State, Nigeria. On many occasions, the tiger has been forced to leave his house in the forest to criticize sitting government as his habit is. And this is what I have for you on today's episode of This is the Future. Until I come your way with another beautiful interview in our midweek episode, don't forget to share this episode with friends, Africans, and lovers of Africans. Follow us on Twitter, it's at CITF Podcast. My personal Twitter handle is at I am Dayomoyo. Remain productive.